0: Welcome to the Vetiver Vibes podcast. We're your hosts, Nikki, Rachel, and Rhonda, certified clinical aromatherapists coming to you from Ontario, Canada, and on the internet everywhere. This episode is brought to you by Accentria, a leading online school for aromatherapy. Essentria is your go-to source for clinical aromatherapy certification programs that are recognized by Naha and the Canadian Federation of Aromatherapists. If you want to learn more about Aroma Massage Course, check out their website, www.schoolofessentria.com. We're excited that you've given your time to be here with us, knowing you'll get the best essential oil scoop. In this bonus episode, it is going to be our part two of Sitting Down with Mark Webb. We had originally sat down, as I mentioned in part one, to talk about all kinds of things, including CO2, and it turned into this absolute amazing presentation all about CO2s, and we decided to make it into something bigger and into a mini course. So this is just a little bit of a preview about CO2s, and if you want to learn more about CO2s, we'll be having a mini course available in the new year. Enjoy this preview. Hello, welcome to this episode of Vetiver Vibes. Today, we are very happy to be interviewing Mark Webb on today's episode. Mark is also known as the Aroma Science Guy. He holds a bachelor's degree in science, majoring in biochemistry, plant physiology, and IT. He also has diplomas in aromatherapy, including aromatic and herbal medicine, massage, and I believe Reiki also. Yeah. He is the author of Bush Sense, Australian Essential Oils and Aromatic Compounds, which we hope will have a second edition soon, maybe. Mm. And Mark is extremely passionate about the aromatic plants of Australia and how they can be better used within the aromatic world. We're very excited to have you here with us today to talk about CO2s and aromatherapy in general.
1: Thanks, Nick. Thank- that was a lovely intro. Thank you. <laughs> So who is the aroma science guy? Well, I, I like pictures that I mean a thousand words. And so as a formulation chemist, aside from I do a lot of work in the aromatic world, but I also do a lot of work in the food and beverage world. I work in extraction technology. Um, I'm also a cosmetic chemist. So I do a lot of work in uh, topical product development, perfumery. Um, it's a wide gamut of stuff outside of the normal aromatherapy area i'm also an extraction specialist so i spend a fair bit of time working in the co2 world um, and other types of extracts water-based extracts herbal extracts um, steam distillation you know farming and that sort of thing so yeah it keeps me busy up until COVID, i was spending a lot of time traveling around the world teaching classes Uh, america canada um, malaysia singapore a whole pile of places so um, I love teaching. I love sharing information about the aromatic world. I like um, sort of enthralling people and and we might just stop here a second. If we look at this, the slide and take a look here, there's, there's a a couple of ladies that some of you may recognize partaking of a particular (laughs) delicious beverage that I helped to create, which contains aromatics amongst others. It was
0: so good. Rachel, Rhonda and I, uh, it was so delicious. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, for those of you that can't see what we're talking about, it's it's an energy chai elixir that I made for a company. Uh, it's, it's rich in CO2 um, extracts plus guarana and ginseng, and it gives focus and clarity was the, the brief, and it certainly does that. Anyway, moving on. So when we look at the CO2 world, um, many people don't realise that CO2 extraction was developed by people in Russia back in the 1950s, and... So, and moving into the 60s, they produced liquid CO2 extraction plants um, predominantly for the food and flavouring industry. So, Russia is uniquely different from most other parts of the world in that they don't use hydrocarbon extracts or oleoresins in their food industry. They only use liquid CO2 extracts. So, they've had a long history of doing extraction since the 1950s onwards. And even today, there are still factories set up that are producing these extracts. So it's a uniquely different thing. Um, How I found out about this was I met a a Russian guy by the name of Alexei about 25 years ago. And Alexei introduced me to these CO2 liquid extracts. And I was blown away by the incredible flavor and scent profiling. It was just, it was quite amazing, frankly. Um, when we move on, though, we, when we go to uh, the 1970s uh, in America, Americans took the Russian technology via, via the UK, as scientists often do, they, they share information. And they started looking at using supercritical CO2, and I'll explain the, te- the terms in a minute, to um, replace some of the, the rather nasty chemicals they were using in, in extraction, chlorinated hydrocarbons and fluorocarbons. Yes. They also they also found that CO2 extraction was a much more energy efficient method of extracting compared to say steam distillation because CO2 only requires pumping and you know it's it's much more um, conservative uh, it's green chemistry so it doesn't pollute the environment which was a big plus mm-hmm. uh, back in the the 70s we were looking at, at you know the ozone layer and being destroyed by the by the various fluorocarbons, and so industry was looking for ways to improve. They are also looking at ways to get rid of hydrocarbons out of extraction. So um Olya resins and absolutes are made with hydro- hydrocarbons, which you do get carry across into the main product. So CO2 had a lot of benefits. Nice. Now let's get into the science and the physics of it. So this is a phase diagram. Don't get tripped out about it. Basically, matter exists in three three phases of matter solid liquid and gas that's on planet earth in the cores of stars we also have plasma but if you take various various um, molecules like co2 and water you can take them to their triple point which is the point i've, I've shown it here on the diagram with a little star this is the point where the solid the liquid and the gas phase are all in in equilibrium so you've got you may have ice you may have water and you may have steam all at the same time and it's a particular temperature and pressure that does that well if you move up the phase curve on these boundaries between liquid and gas we reach the supercritical point now at the supercritical point the difference between a liquid and a gas disappears and you end up with this uh, thing called a supercritical fluid the point okay. about supercritical fluids are that they have the permeability of a gas, they have the solvent-carrying capacity of a liquid, but they don't have the surface tension of, say, water as a solvent. So they're really, really efficient at stripping out things uh, as an extraction solvent. It makes So supercritical water is a big thing these days in, in um, the nutraceutical market, but supercritical CO2... Um, has been used, as I said, since the 70s as an extraction solvent for a variety of other other, um, industries as well, which we'll get to in a minute. It's a a really great solvent because all you do is you reduce the pressure slightly, reduce the temperature slightly, and the supercritical fluid drops back to being a liquid, drops back to being a gas. And so whatever you've extracted, if it's aromatic or non-aromatic, it's left after the gas is removed. So there's no contamination. And that's really, really important when we're looking at some of the things that we're playing with. Yes. The technology, most of you have probably experienced things that are made with supercritical technology. Decaffeinated tea and coffee are a great example uh, of products in the marketplace. Dealkalized wines and beers um, using this, reducing stripping fat from meats or fried foods. And then you've got new technology that's been rolled out, uh, dry cleaning is now um, CO2 dry cleaning is very, very common. Um, replaced a lot of really terrible hydrocarbon solvents, um, toluene and benzene and stuff like that. Also being used in impregnation and dyeing, nano and micro part- particulate formation. We've also got supercritical fluid chromatography, which I'll, I'll mention in a minute, um, and even refrigeration. So there's some really broad ranging uh, topics that. CO two or supercritical technologies being used for that phase diagram again, a little bit, little bit different. This one's about specifically about CO two. So the supercritical point for CO two is seventy three bar, which is roughly seventy four atmospheres. So seventy four times the pressure you're sitting in at the moment, and at thirty one degrees Celsius. And because we're talking, I'm talking to Canadians, you actually understand what Celsius is. Yes. Which is a <laughs> so that that's a warm day in 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 summer for us, or for me anyway in Australia. Yeah. So when we're looking at at the different types of CO two extracts, and you'll often see subcritical or liquid extracts, select CO two extracts, and total CO two extracts. Now they all have to do with different temperatures and pressures, and This is where CO2 extraction is so different from, say, steam distillation or solvent extraction. So with steam distillation, you heat up water, it boils at normal atmospheric pressure, and that water, by using Dalton's law of partial pressures, second law law of thermodynamics, can cause other liquids to vaporise at the temperature of boiling water. So hydrocarbons like, say, limonene in, in oranges that has a boiling point up in the many hundreds of degrees Celsius can be made to vaporize in this system. So that's, that's how steam distillation works. The thing is that steam distillation only has a very narrow window of about carbon five to roughly carbon 15, depending on what you're doing. So that's where we get our essential oils. When we look at, um, absolutes or oleoresins, resins, they, we use hydrocarbon or hydrofluorocarbon solvents. And again, we get this range of extract. Now, it's a much broader range. It's like carbon 5 to about carbon 40 or 50. But we can't control what we're extracting. It's it's a one-shot go and you get the whole lot. You get this murky sludge that you then got to clean up. When we're looking at CO2, we have temperature, pressure, co-solvency, so we can change polarity, and extraction time. So we've got four parameters that we can change to tune the co2 extraction so if we're using lower pressure a lower temperature we're in the liquid phase or the subcritical phase and this extracts stuff that's pretty much very similar to essential oils when we move up to the supercritical point we get a slightly bigger range of extracts and if we if we add a co-solvent such as ethanol we can change the polarity of the extraction medium and remove more polar compounds if we crank the temperature and pressure up slightly more we move into the uh, higher supercritical range and this is where we start to extract bigger and bigger and bigger molecules now the beauty of this system is that you can tune it you can do a run and let's use say cannabis as an example because that's the big tech topic these days it is. you can take you can take cannabis flowers so nicely dried cannabis or hemp flowers you can grind them up put them in the co2 extraction rig you can run them at a subcritical pressure and temperature and you can extract all of the volatiles or as they love to say in the in the cannabis world the terpenes right and so you strip out all the terpenes and then what you do is you increase the temperature and pressure and you move into the supercritical phase and at that point you start to take out the cannabinoids, which are about carbon-21 compounds. They're, they're phenol terpenoids. So if you just turn it up maximum pressure run it, you'll get this green murky sludge, a bit like the calendula total extract in the bottom of the slide, mm-hmm. where you're getting, you are getting you get all the plant waxes, you get all the chlorophyll being, being extracted. And you don't want that in, in cannabis extracts. You want a nice, clear liqueur. So what they often do is they take that total extract, and then they run it through a short path still with ethanol, and they do a very similar processing to what we do with absolutes and oleoresins to clean them up, to strip out the waxes, to strip out the color. Well, you can actually tune a CO2 rig so it doesn't take that stuff out in the first place. So they used to use CO2 rigs back in the start of the, the cannabis revolution in America, particularly in Canada, as this shotgun approach of let's take everything out and then we'll work backwards. These days a lot of people are going, no, what we need to do is be a bit more refined and only take what we want. And so mm-hmm. by by varying those four parameters that I mentioned of temperature, pressure, cosolvency and and time, you can tune your extract. You can also tune your extraction pathway. It's a different way of doing it where some of the companies now are running multiple, multiple separation flasks in their, on their extractors, and they vary the extraction output pressure and temperature so they can selectively separate out the componentry. It's really cool, but it's very um, complex in thermodynamics and phase diagrams and, and energy mass equations and stuff. I tried to read some of it and go, no, nah, not for me. I'll just do it by hand. Um, So, yeah, so I've I've got the molecular sizes on here and the the various pressures as well, just to give you a bit of an idea of of, uh, the different ranges. But when someone says this is a select CO2 extract, what they mean is it's just moved into the supercritical phase and or they've selected a particular temperature and pressure to pull out the components of what they want in the extract. Mm -hmm. A total CO2 extract is a more combined one, which has the volatiles plus the non, some of the non-volatiles. And I'll show you some examples of that um, later in this lecture. So um, one of the big things about CO2 extraction is it doesn't denature or chemically alter constituents, like you get with uh, steam distillation. The best example of that I'll get to shortly when I talk about German chamomile is azuline is the blue oils. All your blue oils, Yarrow, um, blue tansy, German chamomile, uh, blue cypress, um, rosewood, it's a new Australian rosewood that's blue as well. They all contain azulines. And these are artifact chemistry that has been produced during the steam extraction process. So when people say to you that essential oils are pure and natural, no, they're not. They're man-made and they have artifacts. They have chemical differences and um, lecture and I've got a couple of classes I'm going to plug next year I'm going to be coming back to North America and I'll certainly be coming to Canada as well and and if and if if Nikki and Rachel want to host me I may even run some classes up in Toronto but um, I'll be doing my uh, aromatic cuisine food as medicine class which is a learn how to cook and make delicious beverages and foods using extracted aromatics safely and properly. So I'll be teaching that. I also will be teaching an advanced formulation class i called the ABCs of formulating, aromatics, botanicals, and cannabinoids, where I'll be looking at therapeutic uses and dosing levels for both topical and internal across the board using essential oils, absolutes, CO2s, the whole gamut, including cannabinoids. So um, again. Hemp and cannabis have become very common now as you've got federally approved use in, in yep. Canada. Uh, various parts of America, it's different. Here in Australia, we're at medicinal cannabis by script only. But I found cannabinoids working with some of the botanical CO2 extracts with our normal aromatics, you can get massive expansion in therapeutic uses. And... Um, One example is um, pain relief, uh, topical Mm -hmm. pain relief, where I find aromatics on their own. You'll get, you know, three to six, maybe 12 hours. You add cannabinoids to it, it goes out to 24 plus hours in Mm -hmm. in pain relief and and reduction in inflammation. So this is an exciting area that isn't well covered. Um, I've been working in this field now for quite a few years. A lot of my trips to america and canada when i've been over there teaching classes and doing conferences i've also been doing covert formulating work off 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 yeah i'll disappear you won't see me on social media for days and that's (laughs) because i'm in a lab somewhere or i'm in a grow or whatever looking at stuff i remember coming when i was in toronto last i ended up at a grow in an underground facility that we were growing um, medicinal cannabis with um, aquaculture so that was kind of cool to be able to see that while I was there
0: absolutely amazing and co2s aren't talked about or shared enough
1: look I love what I do and and I love to share and and impassion people and tease people with these delicious things so hence why the cooking class the aromatic cuisine is I I started teaching that back in 2004 um, Mm -hmm. students in Sydney when I was there and then I stopped teaching in 2014 because I didn't have the book written. I didn't have the range ready. So um, there will be a new book, Aromatic Cuisine, Food as Medicine. Uh, I'm working on it at the moment. I've decided yes. to shell Bush Sense version two just for now because other no. people have... Oh, there'll be a new one. Don't <laughs> worry. I just haven't got there. The problem with books, Nikki, is they don't make you money and they, they take a I lot know. of time. And, I
0: know. And,
1: and I'd much rather put time into teaching and i do a lot of formulating at the moment um and it's it's more fun right like it's what i enjoy so you know
0: and and then the last question is um and this is something that we always ask everyone is what is your favorite aroma or
1: oil oh um i'll answer that with a simple statement i am western australian sandalwood
0: okay i wasn't i was Wasn't sure what you were going to go with. I wasn't sure maybe a Coonsie or sandalwood. Nice. Look
1: at sand. Look at, look at, look at sandalwood. Look at Australian sandalwood. Look at its Mm. chemistry. Look at its spiritual, psychological, physical properties. It's way more complicated than the Indian sandalwood. Mm -hmm. The climate that it, the temperature ranges that it grows under from. Minus five degrees Celsius to plus 60 degrees Celsius. Right? That's, it's yeah. tenacious, it's grounding, it's spiritual, it's base chakra to crown chakra aligned. I am sandalwood.
0: Nice. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for all this information. You are always such a wealth of knowledge. We appreciate your time and thank you to everyone for tuning in to Vetiver Vibes, the essential oil scoop. I'm Nikki Fraser here with Mark Webb and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you later. This episode was brought to you by Essentia, a leading online aromatherapy school you can join the free introduction to essential oil course at www.schoolofessentia.com if you love this episode or you got a lot of value out of it please make sure you share it with someone in your community who you think will enjoy it too if you haven't already subscribed or reviewed the show yet please go over to your preferred streaming platform and hit subscribe then leave a review This is the best way to help support us, and we appreciate it. Email us with a screenshot of your review, and you will be entered into our monthly draw for a free mini course. This podcast is for information purposes only. We are certified clinical aromatherapists and holistic health professionals. If you have a medication concern, please refer to your health team. Everyone's health is unique to themselves, so the topics and suggestions stated may or may not apply to you directly.